Amen. Amen. While the choir is finding their place, grab your Bible real quickly. Grab your Bible. Remain standing for just a moment. Remain standing for just a moment. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter number 8. Nehemiah chapter number 8. I want to kind of uh, set the stage for this coming Bible conference we are having uh, next week. I'm excited about it. I cannot wait for what God is going to do. I'm excited for who's coming. Uh, Brother Craig Edwards and also the Wisdoms are going to be singing for us. And uh, I am excited. Uh, I want to, to kind of set the stage a little bit, just kind of put the ball on the tee uh, for next week's event and, and, and study it just a little bit of what we're going to get out from it. And, uh, and we'll have a big time there. Now listen, if, if, if you can't get excited about what God's doing for you, uh, something's wrong. Something's wrong. If you get more excited about what happens at a football game than you do making sure you're going to heaven, something's wrong. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Listen, listen, we, this is a big, big deal. So I want you to uh, find your place there in Nehemiah chapter number eight. And also, also, if you haven't, if you haven't picked up, if you haven't picked up one of the devotional books leading up to it, uh, you hadn't been here in the last couple of weeks, maybe pick it up. We've got one more week of devotions going into the Bible conference, and I promise you it will be a great blessing to you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I left my glasses again. Help us, Lord. Can you, can you put that on the, on, the, on, the, on the page there? There we go. Let's all read the big words, all right? Nehemiah chapter number 8, verse number 1. Are y'all ready? Are y'all, can y'all see? Huh? Oh, I thought you were sitting my glasses right here. Last time I did that, they were sitting right here. Amen? All right, here we go. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Now say that with me. They spake unto Ezra the scribe, read it with me, to bring the book of the law of Moses. Say that with me. To which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Look at verse 2. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they made for that purpose, and beside him, we have all of his assistants right here. And I'm not going to massacre their names. So uh, uh, there we go. <clears throat> and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. He opened the book. For he was above all the people. Now watch this. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord. The great God and all the people answered. Now we know that means truly, truly or the truth. But it also in this particular instance it means so be it. So be it. In other words what he's fixing to read and what they're fixing to study. So be it. Let it be. Amen. It says with lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And all of his assistants <clears throat> caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. 
So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, which means he was the governor at the time, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry for the, read it with me, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Read it again. One more time. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the honor it is to serve you. I thank you for the crowd that's here today, that's here to learn and to grow. Uh, Lord, we're just like the crowd we're reading about here in Nehemiah chapter number 8. Now, I pray that you'll speak to us and help us today. Lord, let us see a, a fresh, fresh vision of how important your word is today. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> let me, <coughs> excuse me, let me kind of, let me, let me kind of set up this particular chapter to give you a, a, a better understanding of, of what we're reading and what we're studying. Uh, how many of y'all know that God led the children of Israel out of Egypt and he took them to a place that he had promised them and they, it's always been called the promise the promised land, right? The promised land. I'm going to take you to a place where the, uh, uh, there is, is, is honey and there is milk. And, and uh, I'm going to take you to a place where there's houses that you don't have to build, wells you don't have to dig, vineyards you don't have to plant. I'm just going to bring you into this place. He led them out of bondage. He led them through the wilderness and fed them and took care of them, provided for them, led them to the promised land. And before they went into the promised land, he said, I tell you what. I'm going to make a covenant with you, and I'm going to make an agreement with you. If you will do what I say, if you will follow my commands, if you will be obedient under the law that I give you, I am going to bless you like you've never been blessed before. But, but if you rebel, if you reject my word and my law, he said, I'm going to make sure that you're going to be cursed and removed, y'all with me, removed from this great place and this promised land that I'm giving you. When Moses dies, when Moses dies, Joshua steps forward in Joshua chapter number one, and, and God reminds him again. He said, don't let your, don't turn from the left, don't turn to the right from my word. If you will take heed unto my word, then thou wilt find thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Are y'all with me? Say amen. They go in, and every time they do exactly what God says, they are victorious, they are winners. When they, when they do not do what God says, they fail. Are y'all with me? They are in the promised land. God blesses them. God blesses the kings as they come through and the judges. And, and, and listen, now just to skip ahead, we see they decided they were smarter than God. And they begin to rebel and refuse the word of God and disobey the law, disobey the scriptures, disobey God's word. Guess what? God sent King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. 
He came and he destroyed Solomon's temple. He destroyed the city of Jerusalem, destroyed the walls around Jerusalem and took, killed countless, countless Jews and took the rest remnant, took them captive into Babylon for 70 years. 70 years. At the end of 70 years, God says, I'm going to let you go home. And he sends a delegation, and, and, and because of uh, King Cyrus, they are allowed to come back. A remnant comes back, and they rebuild the temple, okay? They rebuild the temple. And now, here in Nehemiah, Nehemiah gets a burden. He is the cupbearer to the king, and he gets a burden to rebuild the walls and reestablish the city of Jerusalem, and, and skip on ahead, he gets everything he needs. He gets the provisions he needs. He gets all the, the financial, uh, <coughs> financial provision he needs to get it done. And as Nehemiah chapter 1 all the way to Nehemiah chapter number 7, they do a miraculous thing. They build a wall in a record number of days. They basically, they did the impossible. Are y'all with me? And they rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. They rebuilt the walls even with great obstacles. They rebuilt the walls even with, with, with great friction and, and people coming against them. They had a spear in one hand and a hammer in the other. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And they got it done. So now God has restored a new temple. God has restored a new wall and he's restoring the city of Jerusalem. But now there's something that's more important. He has, he has restored the physical needs of the nation of Israel. Now it's time to address the spiritual needs. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, I want to I skip over. I want to skip over. So 1 through 7, chapters 1 through 7 of Nehemiah, we have the rebuilding. All right? Now, if you want to go read that, most of you already know about it. But go back and read how they rebuilt the walls and all that. It's a great, 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 great story. So there's rebuilding in chapters 1 through 7. Let's skip chapter number 8, and we'll come back to that. It's, it's, it should be skipped in your, uh, in your notes. Am I right? Say amen. There's a blank there. All right? Now we'll come back to that. That's what we're going to preach on today. Now, let's go to chapter 9. What do we find in chapter 9? We find repentance. We find confession of sin. We find, basically, if you want to just use the terminology we use, there was a bunch of getting right with God. They begin to realize where they stood with God. And they begin to repent and they were sorry for their sin and their disobedience and their rebellion. And there was great confession of sin. And the confession of sin brought on the worship of God. Because when you, oh hallelujah, when you realize what God has done for you, you can't help but praise Him. When you realize that you were a sinner undone and on your way to hell and God by his grace and mercy saved your old wretched soul and put your name in the land book of life, you can't help but thank him. And so they begin to worship and they begin to praise and they begin to glorify God and great repentance took place. Then chapter 10, we find a great commitment or basically, if you want to use the terms we use, rededication. They made a covenant with God. They said, God, since you've done all of this, we're going we're gonna to promise to be right. We're going to promise to stay with you. We're going to promise to follow your word. And they even signed, made a contract and signed it. I don't know about y'all, but that's what we need in America. 
We, listen, the answer is not going to be found in the Republicans. The answer is not going to be found in the Democrats. The answer is going to be found when God's people will fall on their knees before God and repent of their sins and turn back to God and give Him the glory that He is due. We need revival in America. We need, man, I'm telling you, we need to fall down our, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about sinners. I'm not talking about heathen. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about God's people are the ones that need to get right. That's right. I want repentance. I want renewal. I want restoration. I want God's power on America's churches again today. I want God to move in such a way that we all get right with God. But something has to happen. Chapters 9 and 10 would have never happened without chapter number 8. I see see pastors and preachers, listen, on Facebook all the time. We need revival. We need revival. We need revival. And in their mind, they're thinking if they bring a tent and bring an evangelist and put that in there, that's that's, that's revival. Revival is not a one-time issue. Are y'all with me? You say, preacher, what are you saying? What are you saying? What, what led, what led to the repentance in chapter 9? What led to the rededication of the people to God in chapter number 10? It was a return to the Bible in chapter number 8. Y'all with me? In other words, they had a Bible conference. Let me say it again. It's only about 12 of you getting it. They didn't have a, they didn't have a type of meeting where somebody come in and was about that deep in the scripture and they had a bunch of cliches and they had a bunch of funny stories and and they had a bunch of tearjerker stories to pull on your emotions. No! It wasn't a camp meeting. It wasn't a revival. It was a Bible conference. They came with the book. I want to say something. I want to say something. In, in your notes at the top, in your notes at the top, I want to sh- I want to show you something very significant. French author Victor Hugo said it over a century ago. England has two books, the Bible and Shakespeare. England made Shakespeare, but the Bible made England. Supporting the view, historians tell us that Elizabeth and uh, Elizabeth and England was indeed a country of one book, and that book was the Bible. Now, I want to I share something with you. You go do your history. You go do your history. Germany was once a nation, once a nation with its relationship and its treatment of the Bible was very close, and God made a great nation out of Germany. It was basically the home of the Reformation, and many men of God came out of that. But they turned their back on God's word and look what happened. 
As we see, England was once a nation of the book. The Bible you have in your hand is come from England. You have your English Bible because of what God was doing in England. Do you realize that they say at one time that the sun never sets on the British Empire? But they turned their back on God's word and now they're being overrun by Islamic extremists. What are, you, what are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying is where they are is directly related to their treatment of the book. Do you realize that America, God bless America, he did. There is no other nation besides the nation of Israel like the United States of America. You say what you want. It doesn't matter what you want. There's no other nation that's been blessed, that's been honored, that's been favored, that's been given the benefits and the blessing like our country. And that's because it was founded on religious freedom and liberty. It was founded on God's word when it was brought forth to begin with. So they can, I know what historians are trying to say and I know how they're trying to twist things. I know how this country started. But let me tell you something. They are turning their back on God's word. And look what's happening in our country today. And it's directly connected. It's directly connected to the treatment of the book. Now, now we can all get our little righteous hats on and, and we can say amen like we're spiritual and shout and holler and everything. I figured I'd quieten you. But guess what? Your life, your life is directly connected with your treatment of the book. Let me give you an illustration. I've seen it. I've seen it since I've been a little kid. I grew up in church my whole life. My dad was a pastor. He's sitting right over there. I grew up in church my whole life. I've seen them come and I've seen them go. I've seen them come with utter destroyed lives. I've seen them come to God with their lives in shambles and everything a wreck and everything a mess and said, preacher, help me. Preacher, do something for me. Preacher, pray for me. And listen, and, and I saw my dad and various pastors I've been under pour their lives into these people and pray for these people, help these people get on the right track and get the right direction going. God begins to bless their life. God begins to pour his favor on them and things start going good and things start going right. And then all of a sudden they think, I don't need God no more. And then they're out and they miss a little service here and they miss a little service there and they make this excuse and that excuse. Well, I had to be here and I had to be there. Before long, they're out of church, away from God. You couldn't find them with the FBI and a CNI dog. And then guess what? You watch. Watch this now. Watch this now. Stay with me. Stay with me. I know it's a little bit injured over. I'm going to go fast through the points. You watch their life on Facebook. And it begins to disintegrate. Yeah. 
to the point the next time you see them, you don't even hardly recognize them. Because their life is directly connected to the treatment of the book. You follow the book, and you have favor. You leave the book, What does the, the Bible say in, in Psalm 1? Blessed. Blessed. And by the way, that word means happy. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law doth he meditate day and night. Oh, God says he's going to bless that man. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He's going to prosper. His fruit is going to bear. His leaf is not going to, are y'all with me? His leaf is not going to wither. But it says this, but the ungodly are not so. Now, ladies and gentlemen, our lives are directly connected to the treatment of the book. Amen. There is no, there is none. There's no way around this. There's no way around this. I can tell you over and over and over the people who came and as long as they did what God said to do and followed the word of God, man, they had the blessings of God. Everything was wonderful. But when they strayed away, it all went to hell in a handbasket. Because our lives are directly connected to the treatment of the book. Now let me give you just just four quick things. No subs, just just four quick things. How many of y'all would like to see national revival and the nation turn to God again? Let me tell you something. It starts right here. It won't happen out there till it happens in here. Chapter 9 and chapter 10 is unbelievable. Go read it. There was repentance, confession of sin. Listen, confession of sin. And they begin to remember what God had done for them. God, you did this and you did that. And by the way, when you read chapter number 9, you'll see over and over again where they disregarded God and disobeyed God and rejected God, but yet God had mercy on them and kept bringing them back. And that's what brought them to to the praise and the worship and the recommitment in chapter number 10. But what got them there? What got them there? How did they How did they act? Now I'm not I'm not talking about I'm not talking about Nehemiah and I'm not talking about Ezra, the men of God who were responsible for leading them. I'm talking about the people. There's four things I see in this chapter. Let me give them to you real quickly that we definitely need to see again. Number one, number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Look at number one, verse number one. <clears throat> and all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the gate. And, 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 who is the they? The people. The people. That's important. 
That's important. In other words, Nehemiah and Ezra didn't have to plan it or schedule it. The people asked for it. Watch this. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to what? Bring the book. Bring the book. Number one, I want you to write this down. We see their request. Write that down. Their request. People today are asking things of their leaders. We need a playground. We need more contemporary music. We need more traditional music. We need a light show. How about a little fog? Let's create an atmosphere. How about this program and that program? They're choosing churches by what the church has to offer. What do they have for the kids? How close is the drive? I've heard people say, I I don't know why you drive past 10 churches to get to the 12th one or 11th one. I'll tell you why. Because they're not preaching the book. We're picking churches for all the wrong reasons. We need to quit saying, do they have coffee? We need to quit saying, do they have a playground? We need to quit saying, do they have a good youth program? We need to say, are they bringing the book? When you go to the house of God, does he take God's word? Does he expound on God's word? Does he explain God's word so you can understand God's word? I don't care what the illustrations are. I don't care how funny his stories are. I don't care how tear-jerking and the emotional scenes are. It does not matter if he's not bringing the book. Listen, there's no power in someone's theories. There's no power in someone's opinions. There's no power in their stories. The power is in God's word. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Churches need to cry out. People need to cry out. They need to seek places that's bringing the book. I I looked up a survey. I looked up a survey. The number one reason or choice, the number one reason people choose a church, number one, it was in a couple surveys, 82% said because of sermon content. And I said, that's a lie. (laughs) There's no way it can be that because I've been listening to them. And there's no content. There's no substance. I called Brian, my buddy. I said, man, you're not going to believe this survey. I said, there's no way this is true. There's no way because I've already heard what people ask for. I've already seen what people post on Facebook. Where do they have this and where do they have that? Not I haven't seen one time, not one single time I said, hey, is there any church that's bringing the book? 
Is there a preacher that is standing on God's word and deliver God's word, not his opinion, but what God has to say? I haven't seen that. Come on. I haven't seen that one time. And I told Brian, I said, there's no way, there's no way this can be accurate. There's no way this survey can be right. He said, oh, yeah, it can. I said, you're from Virginia. What do you know? He said, Malcolm, do you realize that the Bible says that in the last days people shall heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears? They shall turn from the truth and turn to fables. The largest churches in America are nothing more than motivational centers. With motivational speakers. I watched one. I just had to see. And before he started, he held up and said, Now this is our, this is our, this is and a little speech they give before every every service, every sermon. This is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I am what it says I am. And it's like a 15-second speech there. And then he sets it down and never preaches it. And he tells you how to have your best life now. My best life is not going to be now. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. God's word said in this world, we're going to have much tribulation. But Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Oh, say amen. You know how I know that? I've opened the book. If somebody would just open the book, they'll realize that their best life is not now. Well, well, unless you're lost. Bring the book. Bring the book. America needs the book. America needs God's word. All right, guys, y'all ready for this? Nehemiah and Ezra. They weren't the ones playing this. Who planned it? They. Have you ever heard this phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you... Let me ask you a question. Do you desire the book? Are you coming because of the choir? Are you coming because it's the cool place to be in Coleman? Or you desire the sincere milk of the word. We see their request, number two. Number two, we not only see their request, we see their receptivity. Their receptivity. Look in verse number three. Well, let's just go. They asked, bring the book. Bring the book. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation. This is verse 2. Both men and women and all that could hear with understanding. And by the way, that's a good... Let me just say this right here. Throw this in here. There's a reason we have, we have uh, uh, our kids' programs. They're not back there babysitting. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a misconception. 
We don't have, <clears throat> we don't have our kids and children's program so that you won't be bothered. That's a byproduct. Which is not even necessarily important if you really desire the book because you're not going to let that stuff bother you. We, we have these programs so that we can speak on their level. I'm not going to talk to you like Josh is talking to them. Y'all with me? Look what it says. Look what it says. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with what? You see that? So, so don't, think, don't think that I'm going to keep them in here. I don't need no babysitter at church. It's not babysitting. Every single child in that wing is getting instruction on their level according to their understanding. Amen? And he read therein. Watch this, guys. Verse 3. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. Holy moly. <laughs> morning until midday. Before the men and women. Don't ever tell me I'm long-winded again. <laughs> and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were. And the ears of all the people were. Under the book of the law. You know what that tells me? They wanted what he was saying. My, my grandmother, I had, I, had, I had two grandmothers. My mom's mom and my dad's mom. They were, they were almost completely different. We could go to mom's mom and there was a, there was a big stand-up freezer on the porch before you get in there. And you didn't even have to get in the house. You could get your ice cream before you ever made it in the house. I don't remember one single time of my life, not one single time of my life, that I didn't go to that house through that porch to stop at that that ice cream, and there was ice cream there. There was ice cream there every time. Y'all with me? Now, my dad's mom, I don't know if y'all heard that in the balcony, but my dad said, uh-oh. <laughs> you didn't get no ice cream. You didn't go no Twinkie. You didn't, you didn't get no cookie because she was in the kitchen cooking. And when you come to eat, you better have a... Because she knew... If you eat that Twinkie and you eat that cookie, it's going to ruin your Now, the problem wasn't that there wasn't food on the table. The problem is we got too much junk. We've been feeding on so much of the devil's garbage during the week that when we come to the house of God, we can't wait for it to get over so we can go get some more junk. And we have no appetite. For God's word. It wasn't these people though. Because these people just got out of 70 years of captivity. These people didn't have a Bible that's sitting on their shelf collecting dust. They didn't have several copies. They were starving for what God had to say. 
Amen. Look what, look what your notes say. Look here. Look here. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 3. The ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. We find this again in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. Say it with me. The word of God. Say it again. Say it again. Now look what it says in Acts 17, 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all what? And searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Now before you flip, look at me. I heard you. You know what that says? You know what that says? When they came to hear the book, They were expecting God to talk to them. I I copied a meme. I I meant to give it to them so they could show you. It was the coolest thing. In the first picture, it's got somebody on their knees and the clouds up above. And they're saying, God, speak to me. God, talk to me. In the second picture, there's a hand out of the cloud with a Bible. Do you know what these verses are saying? That when they heard the word, they didn't take it as it was coming from a preacher. They didn't take it as it was coming from an apostle. They were taking it as it was coming directly out of the mouth of God to their ears. How are you receiving the word? Did you come this morning expecting God to talk to you? Did you expect God to sit down beside you and whisper in your ear out of his word? This is God's word. This is not a magazine. It is not a commentary. It is God's holy word, his mind on paper, the closest connection you have to heaven. But we don't look at it that way. We don't look at it that way. That's why we're not taking it that way. We're taking it as a suggestion from the preacher. We take it or leave it. We treat it as a buffet at the, at the diner that I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I promise you, if God was sitting up here in person speaking to you, you'd change your attitude. By the way, he is. Do you notice we're just taking verse by verse? First they ask for it. Bring the book. Then the Bible says their ears were. I tell you what, I'm just not getting much out of church. Yeah, okay. That's because the whole time you're thinking about how Alabama could have scored 20 more points last night. Amen. And you Auburn fans are trying to figure out how you're going to get rid of Gus. <clears throat> You better be thankful he won the game. <laughs> Let's think. Of, come on, guys. I'm just being straight up now. Y- y- y'all know me. I'm your pastor, and I'm just redneck. I'm just, we're just on the same level. You come in here, and you think about everything other in the world besides Jesus or God or the Scriptures, and by the time it's over, you don't know nothing that was said because your minds and your ears weren't attentive unto God's Word. Number three, 
Number three. Everybody good? We see their receptivity, their request. Verse four. And Ezra the scribe stood on a pulpit of wood. And by the way, by the way, I've, I've seen fundamentalists and real legalistic preachers on Facebook. That's why we need, we need pulpits of wood, all these glass pulpits and all these, you know. Do you realize that wasn't even what this is? It was a wooden platform that you stand on top of. Verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Watch this, watch this. For he was above all the people. And when he opened it, say it with me. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, from morning Till midday, they stood as they heard God's word. We see their reverence. Their reverence. Some of y'all get angry if I make you stand up for more than reading the five verses. They stood. It's approximately, approximately six hours. Six hours. Not one day, but all week. We don't reverence God's word anymore. Now, preacher, now let's don't get, where's yours? Oh, I've got it on my phone. What if the battery goes dead? God, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to just be on, let's just be on level ground here. I've been researching and studying different Christian martyrs that were burnt at the stake and were strangled so you could have an English-speaking Bible. They were commanded by the government. They were commanded by the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope. Don't translate God's Word into English so that common people can read it. But they defied the Pope and they defied all of the leadership because they believed that every man should have God's Word in his own language. And because of their sacrifice and because of their death, you have a Bible or you have opportunity to have in your possession a Bible, God's holy word. And most houses have multiple copies in their house and you can't even find them. Much less read them. Over and over and over again. We have stacks and stacks of Bibles that are in lost and found. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have an issue with you forgetting your Bible. I would forget my head if it wasn't attached to my body. My issue is that you never miss it. 
Where is the reverence for God's word? It has is, it is ceased to become important. It, listen, the church today in America has become entertainment centers where people are more interested to be, listen, have their ears tickled and to be entertained, not to be challenged and convicted and rebuked by God's word. <clears throat> we don't reverence God's word. Let me, let me show you something. This is, this is, this is going to blow your mind. Psalms 89, verse 7. Look in your notes. Psalms 89, verse 7. And he is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Say it with me. Come on. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Read it. And to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. You say, oh, preacher, I, I agree with that. I agree that we need to reverence God. We need to reverence God. We need to be in fear of God. We need to have a holy fear of God and a holy reverence of God. Okay, okay. How many of y'all would agree with me on that? How many of y'all believe the Bible says that? Look at the next verse. Psalms 138.2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy love and kindness and for thy truth. Read it with me. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy. Let's read that part again. For thou hast magnified thy, thy above all thy. You say, yes, I believe that we ought to reverence God and respect God and have a, a holy reverence for God. Well, he says his word is equal, if not above. Don't tell me you would reverence God if you can't even find your Bible. Because your treatment of your Bible is directly connected to your treatment of God. I had a a Sunday school teacher when I was growing up. That would chew you out if you put anything on top of your Bible. If you had paper, and listen, let's, let's be honest. Most of us in here, your Bible is nothing more than a filing cabinet. Because the only time you open is when you come in here and it just collects the outlines that I print out. And we stack everything on it. Now, I'm not, I'm not being extreme, I'm just telling you what she was. You know why she was that way? She reverenced her Bible. Because she knew her treatment of her Bible was equal to her treatment of her God. Amen. I just read the verse. Yeah. I, was walking out of, I was walking out of church before I went to Bible college. I was 17 years old. Well, just turned 18. Just turned 18. Just barely turned 18. I had my Bible in my hand, and, and, and the, 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 the visiting uh, evangelist was there. He was an old Navy guy. And he walked up to me and he had tears out of and he snatched my Bible out of my hand. And he held it and hugged it and he had tears dripping off his face. He said, Malcolm, you're fixing to go to school and you're going to have to do a lot of work and you're going to have to do a lot of homework and you're going to have to do a lot of study. And you're going to be tempted for this precious book to become a textbook. 
Do not allow this to become a textbook. Keep it precious to your soul. Keep it precious to your heart. This is God's love letter to you. This is God's mind on paper. This is God's holy word. It will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from it. Reverence God's word. Well, preacher, you just expect us to stand all the time you preach? No. You want us to stand the whole time for Bible conference? I just said over you showing up. Just be faithful. Well, I got this and I got that. You got your priorities. Remember this. Our lives are directly connected to our treatment of this book. One more. I done went way over time. Let me just give you this one. Number four. We see their response. Their response. Look what it says. <clears throat> Nehemiah 8, verse 14. And they found. Say it with me. And they they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths. Skip down to verse 16. Skip down to verse 16. I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to hurry. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves. Just, you catch that? When Ezra opened the book, they found out that there was something they were supposed to be doing that they wasn't doing. So they went and did it. How novel. When they read something in God's word, they're supposed to do, and they wasn't doing it. They just went out and, this ain't complicated. You see, God, God expected them to build booths, like, like temporary shelters, like little tents made out of myrtle and pine branches. It was supposed to remind them of their time that came through the wilderness. It was a time that they could look back and see what God had done for them, where they could look around on the out. And this was all outside, all outside, either on the rooftops or out in the streets, so they could look around and look at the blessings of God and look forward to the coming kingdom of God. But they hadn't been doing it. And when they read the word, it revealed something to them that they were supposed to be doing, that they hadn't been doing it, so they just went in. I'm I'm not trying to make you super spiritual. I'm not. I promise you this. I know some of you are thinking, man, the preacher's upset today. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to open the book and get you to do it. Because I know our blessings and our favor of God upon us and our families is going to be directly connected to our treatment and our obedience to the book. Don't be a hearer of the word only, but be a... Be a... Watch what Jesus says, and we'll, we'll, we'll stand after this. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. But he said, yea, rather. Read it with me. Blessed are they that and Now let me say this. Everybody look at me. Put your papers down and look at me. This is it. We're, we're over time. We're, we're, it's bad. It's bad. It's going on way too long. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look. Some of y'all think that I'm way too uneducated and too simple in my delivery. No, hell. But if you can't understand 
what is being said. You can't do it. And it doesn't matter how educated you are. If you talk over people's heads, it's not doing them a bit of good. Let's review. There ain't nobody in this building that can't understand I need to have an appetite for God's word. I need to seek out a church that's bringing the book. My number one question, my number one desire, are they bringing the book? And I need to be paying attention when he brings it. I need my focus to be completely on God's word. And man, I need to treat it like it is God's word. I need to reverence his house and his word. And just go do it. Just go do it. Just read and obey. Read and obey. Say it with me. Listen. Don't ever doubt this. The blessings on your life or the cursings on your life will be directly related and connected to your treatment of the book. I love every one of you. And I want to see you flourish. And I want to see you prosper. And I want to see God's hand on you and blessed incredibly. But I would not be a good shepherd if I didn't warn you that all that's connected to your treatment of this book. And all God's people say it. Let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray. I pray for your mercy. I pray for your guidance. I pray for your trust. Just touch us, Lord.